We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. The White Claw is cracked already. It's open and ready for us to dive straight in to what I feel has been like our topic of uh, of the podcast for what, like two weeks now almost? Um, we won't devote an entire show to it today. Plenty of pro wrestling to talk about, but we have to kick off talking about where the protests are now um george floyd since last time we spoke the other three officers have been arrested and charged so that brings a total of four um that that was the key it took nine days to get all of the officers charged in this case but the protests aren't stopping there was uh George Floyd Memorial today that went on. It's still very much in the conscience of America. Everyone's still talking about it. Dre, after I think this is like day 10 or 11, um, how are you feeling? Because I, I feel like the energy level, the, the message is still strong, but personally, my energy level has dropped a little bit where physically I'm feeling the tolls of what's 
been happening and how much we've been writing for this and talking about it, I physically feel like exhausted, even though mentally I'm still going strong. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm tired. I tweeted that this morning. Like, I woke up probably like 5 a.m. Um, well, I'll put it like this. Like, last night I watched AEW and NXT. It kind of like unplugged from everything. Um, then I decided to watch Netflix. Then I went to sleep. Woke up. Uh, woke up at 5 a.m. Um, finished watching NXT. And, like, I had everything on mute. And then immediately when it ended, I felt guilty because I was like, I don't know what's going on because I completely unplugged. And as soon as I logged on, I got overwhelmed. And then I was like, yo, I'm fucking tired. And the, and the weird thing was, is like, you know, I don't talk about my private life, but in my house, like my niece, she had a sore throat. She was so we quarantined her ass because, um, you know, didn't want to get my daughter sick. We don't know what's going on. She had a sore throat. Uh, didn't want to take any chances. And my daughter woke up this morning talking about, you know, her chest hurt. And so that, like, she woke up at, like, 7. So I'm freaking out. I'm like, what's wrong with my daughter? Come to find out she had a bad dream about the movie Trolls. And I was like, okay. (laughs) But at that moment, like, I was, like, everything else stopped. So I was just, like, exhausted. Like, because it's not only what's going on outside, it's what's going on inside. Because there's still a pandemic. Like, the casino across the street from my house just opened today. And it's filled to the brim with people. And I'm like, look, I'm going on... I haven't been out the house in jeans or ate outside of my house and anything else. No takeout, nothing since March 7th, the day after UFC 248. That's the last time I wore jeans have been outside to go eat or something like that. I go to the grocery store. That's like it. Yo, and I'm seeing all these people out. I'm like, yo, there's just so much going on. So I was like emotionally drained. Like between that, um, the other thing, other than the officers getting charged, they upped the charge for, uh, Officer Siobhan, whatever his name is, to a second-degree murder charge, which that in itself, like, I see people celebrating. I'm like, oh, like, we talked about it on the podcast. I don't know about second-degree, guys. Like, you got a lot to, you have to prove intent. And proving intent against a cop is damn near impossible. And so good luck. I hope they have an ace in the hole in the prosecution. But this is what I was talking about, like, tempering your expectations. Because second-degree means was on impulse, but he meant to kill him. And I don't yeah. know if they can prove that. That's going to be really hard. And people are going to say stuff. I already know. People are going to say stuff like, well, it was on his neck. I'm like, listen, it doesn't matter. You have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt to a jury. I don't care what you think. I agree. I agree, you know, that he should go to jail. But by the laws, and you have to convince a jury by the law, because there's going to be so many loopholes with it. being a cop. you just got a lot of gray area. But based yeah. on their handbook, their training, and all this stuff, you have to prove beyond a, sh- a reasonable doubt that he attempted to kill this man. It's that. So all of this stuff is just, like, exhausting. And I'm drained. But it's like, take a deep breath. Woke up. Uh, listen to some Run the Jewels today. Banging ass album. Definitely recommend it for those who, for whatever reason, if you don't listen to Run the Jewels, is wild. But you should probably listen to it right now. Um, and I just got back to it. I'm still tired. I'm sleepy. But uh, I'm good. Yeah, man. I, I feel like we know that we have to keep going. We know that, that, you know, everything continues. But getting that quick breath of like, it's like calling a 30-second timeout in basketball. You know you can't come out the game. But the 30-second timeout helps a ton. Um, before we go on and talk about something you did yesterday, which had tremendous impact, I want to tell you, 
your daughter is not alone. Trolls are low-key scary as shit. <laughs> so I understand that. Like, people are like, oh, trolls? Like, yeah, she probably watched Trolls World Tour. And then, next you know, she's waking up. Fucking crazy people with wild little hair afros are chasing her in her dreams. Trolls yeah. are not cute and cuddly. They're scary and weird. Yo, she was, and she loved, she liked, I don't even think she loved the movie. Like, I got it for her, and she watched it, and she was like, cool. Like, she still watches, like, Frozen 2. But then that shit scared her. For whatever reason, she, like, she told me, she's like, my chest hurt, daddy, my heart's beating fast. And I'm like, oh, shit, she's sick. She's like, the trolls. I'm like, oh, trolls? That's great. So now she probably, probably never watched Frozen again. She wouldn't yeah. tell me what happened. She was like, it's too scary, daddy, I can't tell you what happened. My daughter's three. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Absolutely. <laughs> no, that's real. So I am in her corner with that. I will. I'm not hating. Trolls are kind of weird and scary. Uh, no, but going back to Twitter and what's going on, you started an amazing thread. Um, let me go and find it. Well, you're here. What is the hashtag you chose? I, I don't want to butcher the hashtag. Uh, it's not even one that I chose. Uh, I have to give a shout out to somebody else because uh, I put it in the group chat and AJ Springer. Uh, recommended uh, God, I can't even think of her name right now well the, the hashtag is when I met racism and I um, so if anybody see my Twitter I'll give you the origins of this uh, when I woke up the other day and I went on social media and I saw that there was a white woman who has kids um, and she was mad at Nickelodeon for taking the eight minutes to have like I can't breathe and black lives matter and she posted a tweet that was like, you're taking away my child's innocence. How dare you? Blah, blah, blah. The media is trying to ruin my kid's life. And that got me thinking. And I was like, oh, that's, so this, this is what bothers you. Okay. And I was talking to somebody else who was like, you know, not even talking to somebody else. I saw something where somebody was like, well, people are upset now about race or like, and they use like Trayvon. And I was like, no, no, that's not when this shit started. So it got me thinking like when was my innocence taken away and i haven't even posted this on twitter yet, my my particular story but i asked people to put their stories about basically when was the time they realized that that because of their skin color they were going to be treated differently and i did this for a reason because i wanted people especially white people to see that we didn't start dealing with race because we wanted to it's because somebody forced us to see who we were because most of us, as kids, you don't you don't give a shit like you're a kid. Your parents might tell you, but still, you think everybody's cool. Then one day, somebody introduced you to race, and it ruins your life. And what ended up happening, I put the tweet out, I only expected to get a few mentions or whatever, but it went crazy. Everybody was telling me stories about what's crazy is like how young they were and how they were introduced to racism. With, by either being called like the n-word as early as like i've seen kids talking about as early as like 10 or 8 or 5 it's crazy or when you're treated differently or they said my you uh somebody's said that their white friend their parents said they can't play with you anymore because they don't i'm not allowed to play with black people like all these stories and it was like i did it for that purpose so people could see that we didn't come up with this shit i wasn't born to think Yo, I'm being oppressed. I, I wasn't born with that. I had to be introduced to it. So my, my personal story is, as listeners of this podcast may know, and I, I know we've had some new listeners since, which I appreciate it. A lot of people have come and jumped on this podcast, which is crazy. But uh, 
you know, I grew up with an old semi-racist Italian white woman. That was my grandmother. And she just loved me for me. And uh, she didn't like black people. So I was like the good black one, right? So as I was growing up, you know, in New York, I went to parochial school. Anybody from New York knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, so it was like a bunch of white kids. And I moved to Vegas in third grade. So for a while, I didn't really see, like I knew colors were different, but there was nothing really there like that. Um, so I moved to Vegas in third grade. So I think this, this is either when I right when I moved to Vegas or before. I was playing with some white kids. And I'll, I'll tell you the song. This kid was singing the song, and he was like, in 1964, my dad went to the war, pulled the trigger, and shot a nigger, and that was the end of the war. And then he laughed and pointed at me. And I laughed. I was like, ha, ha, ha. And he was like, no, I'm talking to you, nigger. And I was like, I, like, I'm like, I don't even know what that means. And he's like, he doesn't know he's a nigger. I went home, and I told my grandmother. I was like, yo, what's a nigger? And you should, like, the look on my grandmother's face, because this is an old semi-racist Italian white woman who has to tell her black I had an afro because they only got my hair cut at like white barbershops and they never knew what to do with it so I like this afro so she had to tell me what it meant what it was like my grandmother never said the word she just didn't really like black people and I was mortified when I heard that and I thought about crying I just went to school and started fighting that was like my 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 immediate instinct was like Yo, I'm not that because she was like it was like an ignorant black person. And like she didn't even say ignorant, mean something that she said. And um yeah, it just set me off. And from that point on, I remember going like from that point in my life on, I remember saying that I need to figure out why I'm being treated differently and why is that funny? Like and why in, in my head I was like, why in nineteen sixty four they had to shoot a nigger? I was so confused. I, I didn't get what it meant. Like, why would anybody want to do this? And mind you, you know, like, my mother and father weren't really in my life like that early. And my dad, he looks like The Rock in terms of skin color. He's, like, racially ambiguous. So when I saw him, I was like, I don't what the fuck? But me, I'm still light-skinned, but my hair was nappy and all this other stuff. And, uh, yeah, that was when I got introduced. I had to find out my roots. So I, that's what made me me. That was, like, the origins of it. Because up until that point, I just played, and I wanted to have fun. And I started looking at everything like, wow, I... You, they hate black people and I'm not going to go into it too deep but just dealing with my family and growing up it was like oh this is what it means like this is what it means to be black you know this is how you get treated like oh I, I get treated like this so that's what was the origin of that tweet and it's it's kind of grew a life of its own and um, since then like a, pe- a lot of people have contributed Kelly you contributed your story and uh yeah, so hopefully people, non-black people who have had the opportunity to read this can understand that for the most part, no black person comes in this world angry. Something that has happened to us that made us see who we, how you viewed us, because we never viewed us as any different than anybody else. But something that happened, and it's crazy because a lot of it happened in school where we're supposed to feel safe. And even teachers treated us differently, the ones that are supposed to educate us. It's fucked up. One thing, and I implore anyone listening to this to go through and read through the thread, it's it's eye-opening. Um, it's, I don't want to say it's a painful read, because, I mean, I think we all know that this is out there. Um, but I, I thought it was a great thread in, yo, we all, so many of us go through the same things. But when you go through them, you feel like you're the only one living it kind of in that moment, right? Like that pain, that hurt. 
And so many of us have learned to just suppress that hurt or use it to fuel whatever we do, you know, momentarily or all the way through life. There's shit people have told me, especially due to race, like growing up, that fuels me today. The reason I speak how I speak is because of that. It's because growing up in New York, people had this, especially when I moved to Vegas, talking about moving to Vegas, um, I was told so many times, like, yo, it doesn't sound like you're from New York. Why don't you sound like you're from New York? Oh, that's not how people from New York sound. People told me you're lying. Oh, you're from New York? You're not from the hood. Like, what? Why? How do you correlate that? So I made it a point to always speak how I wanted to speak and speak intelligently. And I, it's weird. Growing up, I looked at Malcolm Martin, all these people different than you kind of looked at them through our conversations here. Like you went really deep into the message and everything. And granted, you're a little older than me. So you like really went back and looked and grasped these things. The thing that caught my eye with these people immediately, even Ali, who you love, is the way that they spoke. And a lot of times I wouldn't go too deep or go wildly into the speeches and what every word meant and do the research. I just, I got mesmerized by how they spoke. It was my favorite thing about Obama is some of his policies, whatever. Yes, politicians are flawed. I like the way that he spoke. And I wanted to be able to train myself in how to speak well and captivate people and say things the correct way and I have always done that so people be like oh you're not from the hood like what do you mean I've seen more hood shit than almost anybody I could stand toe for toe hood stories with anyone so me sounding like this doesn't reflect what I've seen or where I've come from there's a, a great Lupe Fiasco line and uh, he was like yeah, I'm smart, but I nerd. He was like, I'm hood, but I nerd some. Hood's where the heart is. Nerd's where the word's from. And it's just like, oh, shit. Like, I, I dove into that line so much uh, growing up. I think that's on, like, one of the early mixtapes. But it's so real. It's like, yo, my heart is still that. My heart holds all the pain from the hood, from growing up, from having to defend my culture, my race, my ethnicity, all that. But the words come from my nerd portion, come from me being intellectual, come from me being smart. It is two same, two sides of the same coin. People just choose to see one. So um, that's kind of like my background. Uh, my story was on there, so if people want to read that. The one thing we didn't get into, though, that I wanted to talk to you about real quick before we move on and kind of... Uh, Talk about a little bit of racism pro wrestling and some of the stupid ass tweets people made um, along the course of this week. And this came from uh, Giandra. Shout out Giandra. Her timeline. And she asked this question. And I thought this was great. And I was like, oh, let me ask Dre about this when we get to the show. She was like, one day we got to sit down and talk about the people who consider us, quote unquote, the good Negroes. Mm. Because of the way we speak, because of our positions and our stature. And I was like, whew, we don't got enough characters on Twitter, but we got time on this show. And Dre, I know it's something I've heard you mention it before, but we really haven't talked about it or that. 
it, it's so weird and it, it feels weird and it's a conversation that's not being like talked about too much right now it's, it's like on the fringe of what this is all about but when you get to that point where you are now the comfortable black person for white people to be around and what that feels like. Like I had to talk to someone speaking stupid shit on my Facebook and Marcus Vandenberg had a chuckle like in our group chat because I had to relate it to NASCAR. But <laughs> that's like, no, on the, like I've always known sports, but I've also known about all sports and I've developed this as a defense mechanism. White people think it's like the coolest shit, but I follow hockey. I know the history behind NASCAR and golf and tennis to a degree like I can relate and pull metaphors and talk to them in languages that they don't expect me to know in terms of sports and I can do these and I've developed that as a, a defense mechanism I know a girl in high school was dating my boy Jordan we went over a house she lived across the street from the school her dad would cook us up food and all this stuff and someone's like yo you know Chelsea's I don't give a fuck no one knows her they're like yo do you know Chelsea's dad is racist I was like nah we're over there every week what do you mean he's racist he was like, no, no, it's, don't worry about it. He likes you. And it's because I went there every weekend. We talked NASCAR. And he loved golf. So we sat down and we talked golf and our golf debates. And he thought it was the coolest shit. And he was like, no, no, don't worry. He likes you. And then I come to find out he also liked it because his daughter wasn't dating me. If she was dating me instead of my friend Jordan, it would have been a different issue. But he'd allow me in the house because I was not. A, I'm, I like that black kid. And for an ideal that was different and that's happened a lot and that it's weird because i've i've developed this and i use this to my advantage but it does feel bad at times because i know it's like it's a shitty defense mechanism to have to develop to know that white people will like me more than maybe other black people because i know how to speak because i'm educated because i'm smart in many different areas and I can relate to everyone that sometimes they do put prejudice aside temporarily it's still in the back of their mind but they it's weird I was watching a J. Cole video last night but I hate the thought in the back of my mind that when I do this that I may be considered like a house nigga while doing it is that weird like I've developed all these skills and I feel like I wonder if this is like the the slaves on a plantation that learned how to read a little so they can get inside. Um. Oh, first of all, uh, the woman who came up with the hashtag of uh, when I met racism was Janetta Elzai. Her uh, Twitter name is Netta with like a gang of A's. If you find it, you can find it. She <laughs> just got a gang of A's. But shout out to her because uh, AJ Springer you know, got to her and that's how they came up with the hashtag. So, this is one that's tough, man, because... Again, from my household, I was told I was the good one by my grandmother. So, and I didn't know what that meant for a long time because I was confused. And for a kid who grew up on hip hop, like, it did, like, by the time I was eight or nine when that incident happened and I started really seeing race, which is crazy because I, like, I look at my nephew and he's 14 and I'm like, do I want to take away his innocence now? My innocence was taken away when I was nine. But, when I found out that I, my grandmother considered me one of the good blacks because I was her grandson and I, she didn't want me hanging out with other black people unless they were good blacks. 
and there wasn't very few of them that I hung out with under when I was a kid. Everything changed as I got older because found who I wanted to hang out with. Um, and when, so it's like, excuse me, my my life was I I kind of taught myself how to be. I mean. Just to talk to people, and it never like it never crossed my mind that I needed to be different. But then I learned how to modulate my my blackness, right? As I got older, I learned how to not be too black around white people, like this, you know, at a certain time, or not feel threatening. But then one day I was just like, man, fuck this, I'm just gonna be who I am. <laughs> so, in I, I put out a tw- well, I think it was on Facebook where I said, you know, to white people, I'm not the good black friend. Like what you think I am, I'm not. Like when you look at those protests and you see those people out there that are upset and frustrated, I'm one of them. I'm not one of the good black ones. Just because we're friends doesn't make me a good one. It just means you need more black people in your life. That's what that shit means. So I've never felt guilty, per se, about being a good one because it's just who i am like we all modulate our blackness to a degree and i think uh and it was man i had that talk with like lena waith years ago about modulating blackness and how you talk different at work than you would with your homies but i think that's kind of what everybody does you modulate who you are and i never would allow people to tell me i'm one of the good ones i made that like a point early in my life to start saying no nah, no nope, not gonna be that not gonna be your token not comfortable with that yeah. i'm not gonna be the one that you say oh he's cool but the other ones are not it's just because you don't know them so in when we when jandra talks about like with boxing media like there's not a lot of us in it kelly you know this very few black this people is crazy cover. it's crazy like i yeah. mean we make up of the sport but we so few of us tell our stories which is why I got into like boxing and pro wrestling and MMA because there's so few of us there so I would meet people and I hear things and I, I mean I'll just tell this one real quick when I first covered boxing uh, a gentleman that I met like in 2007 was a great help to me and I'm not going to put his name out there if you see him on Facebook you know what I'm talking about but uh, he's a he was really like he really looked out you know, he introduced me to people. He was very cool. He's an older man. Great dude. As the years progressed, we were always cool. And his wife was really cool, too. And we always very cordial with each other. I never said anything. Like, I could never say anything bad about those two. But recently, uh, I found out his wife's a Trump supporter. And she tried to... It's, it's weird what Facebook does. But she questioned me about something I posted on Facebook about, like, immigration. And that's how I found out. And I was like, hmm... Not really going to argue with you, but you're going to have to respect this conversation. And I kind of, I didn't let her have it, but I explained it to her because I think one of the things that we need to do is figure out how to not be angry all the time when, you know, explaining things to people because it immediately turns them off. And I don't know if it got through or not, but I just held my my ground, moved on. This past week, I put up, you know, my Facebook picture and it has the Black Lives Matter logo and the All Lives Mattered me. And I was like... (laughs) And I looked at it, and I'm like, well, it's a public forum. I'm not going to do this to you here. It, this is what I'm saying in my head. But when I see you, I'm going to have some words for you because I need to know why you did that, why you felt the need to do that. Why did you feel the need? Like uh, Twitter and, and social media is a crazy thing because it's like sometimes you could just shut the fuck up. Sometimes if you feel like there's something that you have to say, maybe you should keep it to yourself because you know how I feel about this. 
And I say it all the time. You guys have seen my coverage in sports. I've read my articles and my pieces. Like, if there's a racial aspect that needs to be discussed, I'm discussing it. All my pieces aren't about race, but I'm on it. So he knows what I do. So he all lives mattered me. And it got me thinking. It's like, did you think I was one of the good ones? Because you are sorely mistaken. And when I see you, it'll be a respectful conversation. But I'm going to ask you. I'm going to challenge you. Why did you feel the need to do that? Because I could have embarrassed you on social media. I could have had the, the swarm coming after you. But I didn't because I respect <laughs> you. But you're going to respect me in these words. So I'm never going to be taken as one of the good ones. Because I understand exactly what you're saying about feeling guilty. But... I think a message for everybody, if anybody ever tells you that you're one of the good ones, tell them go meet more black people. Because there's so many more that's just like me. There's no such thing as one of the good ones. Or tell them, yeah, you're one of the good white people and see how they react. Yeah, that's, I'm sure they wouldn't act kindly to, to that. Like, oh, you're one of the good whites. Um, no, yeah, it's just a, a weird thing to sit back and think about it. And that's a whole different dynamic that many of us have to go through and especially covering combat sports like you just touched on there's not many black people in the room in general i is there a black woman in combat sports media i mean outside of Giandra? Giandra, there's Giandra, there's cassandra <laughs> there's oh cassandra's there there's a couple pr yeah, I mean, people yeah pr is real cool with it, but they're not like media media no, I mean, there's it's like not, Christina Poncher at top rank who's mixed. Um, yep. There's very few, man. It's just, it's just very, very few. It's a old there's white very few man women dominated in general. sport. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah it, it's, it, it's, it's an old wild. white man dominated sport. It's, yeah, it is. It is. And I think, like, you know, for us to, to get in, like, people ask me, like, well, you know, if it's so hard, why don't you just go back to hip hop? And I'm like, because that's easy. Right, like I'm like, cause why would I want to do something like that? That's easy, and I I can do it when I want to, but I feel like it's important for us to kind of open doors for other people. I mean, why is I don't understand when people say that? Well, just do, go do something easy. Well, why the fuck? Why would I do that? I want to do something that I can open doors for other young writers who want to tell the story about these fighters, because all of us have these conversations in like barbershops about fights, and there's all there's a yep. few dudes that you're like, man, you actually know your shit, and whether yeah. it be commentary, <laughs> journal, like whatever it is. I'd like to see more of us in the space because there's so many white people in the space and some of them just don't know shit. And then on top of that, there's so many white people in the space telling stories about black fighters that don't know shit about black people. So, yeah, I'm going to open the door for a few more of us. And if that makes me not one of the good ones, like somebody tried to point out on my Twitter day and got blazed, weren't you the one that wanted to start a race riot with Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder? Oh, yeah, by asking a black man about making history during Black History Month? Yeah, I wanted to incite a race war, dickhead. (laughs) yeah people right now there's definitely a divide especially on social media the biggest thing to remember is that divide becomes a lot smaller in real life because these people are not that bold and you touched on it like there's i noticed that on my facebook a lot like older people like if you're older than me maybe family members of mine or my wife i will be polite i will show restraint i will try to talk to you educate you cool if you're my peer if i knew you from like high school if for some reason you're just on my facebook and i don't know how the fuck you got there but you're still there now and you try to come on my comments and say some wild shit i I just want people to remember in the year 2020 treat all your words like you get punched in the fucking face for saying them 
because a lot of people forget that um, people are now being punched in the face career-wise by losing their jobs by saying stupid shit, and I love it. I I, I got that D Wade that D Wade gift just waiting, just constantly like love it. I can't I fu- every time I see it, and they just start crying. My future's ruined. Fuck your future. Love it. Yeah. Love it for all. So, uh, <laughs> that's pretty much the gist of what's going on. I want to touch on that. Now let's dive into a little bit of combat sports in itself and talk about just a couple of wrestling moments this week that touched on the protest, racism, and just some fucking dumbassery in the wrestling space. And I'm going to start off with the forgotten son, Jackson Riker. We're just wondering why the hell they're even on TV. But they get pulled up. They had a program last week with the New Day. Last week. Jackson Riker, who you mentioned to me and pointed out so astutely, doesn't even wrestle. Just stays on the outside and interferes and shit. Decides to come out in what I thought at first was a shoot, or excuse me, a work. Seems to be a shoot or a horrible joke. I don't fucking know. Supporting Trump. Trump's latest statements and using whatever their new corny ass catchphrase is to sum it up. And the WWE locker room roasted his dumb ass. Amazing to see. Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens, um, man, just too many to, to even name. White, black, other. It doesn't matter. Roasted his dumb ass. He doubled down on the statement later. And then even members of the Forgotten Sons, the other two, tried to distance themselves from him. I, I'm not sure I've seen anyone ether themselves as swiftly as he did. What was your thoughts when you saw his dumbass tweet? Well, I, you know, you showed me the tweet at the end of our last show. So when I saw it, I was oh, like... we did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. were recording when it came out. <laughs> yep. Yep. So when I saw it, I was like, this is ridiculous. I just watched him get roasted, and I was like, shoot or work. Like, I can't like, I can't, I can't figure out why you would put this out. But this is what I mean when people like, all eyes matter. I was like, yo, it doesn't take a lot to shut the fuck up. But he decided to go out there. I have no idea what he thought was going to happen. Jake Fromm. Like, we're talking about Jake Fromm today. And we're just like, what the hell is wrong with you? But, well, that's you know, leaked text. That's a little different. Hey, Someone either way, ethered him. shit. Be, yeah, I mean, come on. But, I mean, he went on Twitter. Like, this dude, Jackson Riker, goes on Twitter with this. And it's like, yeah. yo, now? Okay. Yeah. But I, I kind of am glad, in a sense, when white people who have, like, racist tendencies or just full-blown racist just show their true colors. So if anybody saw oh, that yeah. tweet I put out the other day about the cops and, the, and like, the, the, the audio that TMZ got when it was, like, shoot those motherfuckers. And then and the other one was, like, just run them over. And then the other guy was, like, don't say that on the air. My biggest problem was with the guy who said don't say it on the air because <laughs> yeah. that means you're a closet racist. Meanwhile, these other guys, I like, I'd rather be able to spot you out than not know who you are. So, Jackson Riker, we saw you. You, you can't walk it back now. And if, if somebody told you to do this as, like, a, a, a work, that's even worse. So, that was dumb, man. And it's a lot of people saying dumb shit on Twitter. A lot of wrestlers, too. Candice Michelle. Oh, God. I got to bring it up now before I forget. Uh, Candice Michelle 
did a, I, if anybody remembers Candice Michelle, she was like the Go Daddy girl, and she was in WWE in like the 2000s, maybe the mid-2000s. She did an IG Live, and she's a right-wing Republican, with Shelton Benjamin, and oh, was Shelton. basically crying, crying, crying about, well, it's not, my, my family didn't enslave you. And Shelton's like, uh-huh. You know, it's not, you know, Black Lives Matter, but I, and Shelton's like, uh-huh. And then there's another clip where Shelton's like, yeah, I feel like the protesters are just as bad as the cop that killed George Lloyd, George Floyd. What? So, last week I talked about teachable moments. Can't teach that motherfucker nothing. If he's one of the ones that you just like, I'm good. Hard yeah. pass. Like as a she as called a, one of her good blacks. Black, yeah, as a as a black man who is an adult in their forties, to suggest that the protesters are as bad as somebody who killed a cop whose job is to protect and serve, they're as bad as him killing a black man on camera. It's fucking ridiculous. There's no explanation for this. But I'm glad I know who you are now. I'm glad. Yeah. Fuck you. I, I'm not one for judging a book by its cover. But I was not shocked by his statement. <laughs> I will tell you that. I just... When I was like, oh, Shell Benjamin? All right. It was somewhat on brand. I, I wasn't I wasn't shocked by that at all. Um, you mentioned hers. Uh, Sonny went full racist. Obviously, this doesn't get you kicked out of the WWE Hall of Fame, even though many people want it to. Because she, she, she hard art somebody. Yeah, like she well, went all she, in. She like she, she implied to hard uh, art. Yeah, she tried to imply it, but it's like, nah, man, you don't do that. Like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Nah, I punch you in the face. Like the the whole Kogan gif where he's just right in the N, and he starts on yeah. the W for the O, but he was just cut it off. That shit's hilarious. But, yeah, she did that in tweet form. So, uh, yeah, she's ridiculous. Jordan Grace got on her neck. A bunch of people were on her ass. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad she's gone to prison, like, twice. And for the record, she got a whack-ass sex tape. Like, so, it's just, she's taking a million L's. Like, you just, you went to prison. You could never wrestle very well. You got a whack-ass sex tape. You lose it in life. Before you were a blatant racist. Um, the other one is that I want to touch on as well before we hit this break is Tony Khan responded to Linda Hogan. And <laughs> Linda, <laughs> yeah, Linda showing her support for uh, Captain Orange in the White House. And Tony Khan was like, Good thing you and your husband aren't invited to AEW. One, I didn't know Hogan was banned from AEW. But I'm glad about that as well. Uh, he's, he won't be managing any new talent. That's one person who will not be a manager on AEW. But when you look at it, it made me think of your words. Of does this really do anything if they're not fucking with you anyway? Like it's an empty gesture, right? Like, yo, you guys aren't invited. I'm not sure they were supposed to be invited. We, we have Chris Jericho saying... Not problematic. He's giving his opinion on stuff. He's not being racist, but we talked about it last show. He's giving an opinion that is wildly unpopular. There have been others yeah, in the checked. in the locker room, yeah, that that have given questionable opinions. Um, others who have given great opinions. Shout out to FTR and uh, a lot of people in that locker room who are speaking out on the right side of things. But there's others who are questionable. 
and still knowing his corner Jack Swagger for a comment. That that probably wouldn't no. go over well. So you, you look at it, yeah, like you look at it and it, it's weird because he didn't say much about outside of his, like, you know, keep it in-house. If, if you want to do that, critique your house, your family, and, and then spread it. I'm not even sure how Linda Hogan got on his radar. So to, to me, that was that was wild. And I want to see what AEW does in in the wake of this. Because even though they have a very diverse roster, to me, outside of Nyla Rose, I don't think we've seen any of that diversity featured prominently at all. It's only a year. Yeah, but. Um. and I guess this this will be, because then we're going to get into wrestling and talk about everything else and just really get to the nuts and bolts. But I do want to say this, because like when I saw the Tony Khan thing, I saw a lot of people was like, well, Jericho's there. And yeah, it's true. And I think we tend to forget sometimes that wrestling, like the foundation of pro wrestling, was like inherently racist. Like it would preyed on stereotypes, which is why we came up with a show called Wrestling with Stereotypes. Like the entire yep. premise of pro wrestling was built around stereotypes. Good white people beating up foreigners and black people. Like that was the premise of it. Pretty so much. it's not surprising when you see a Sonny or Jim Cornette or uh, Jackson Riker saying racist things, or like Vince McMahon like promoting stereotypes. Um, it's not surprising. Like so, so none of this ever surprises me. So when people, so when I saw people saying, "Well, what about this? Or what about this person?" Look, there's a Drew Brees in every fucking locker room in America. Oh, everyone, every locker room has a Drew yep. Brees. So every WWE roster, every pro wrestling company has somebody. Who's probably racist. So that doesn't necessarily, like, because people say, well, what about this? What about that? Look, I appreciate Khan for the gesture. I think he was just really making fun of Linda because he was like, I'm like, you ain't like, fuck you and him. So, and it feels like Tony Khan's on the right side of things. They had the cold open with Black Lives Matter at the beginning of the AEW. Um, so the question still becomes what you're asking is like, well, when are we going to see like a prominent black person get elevated? Well, I mean, Scorpio Sky was part of the tag team champions. He did get a, a crack at the title. Uh, but overall, I mean, we've seen Private Party. They beat the Young Bucks in the first round of the tag team tournament. And I, I know a lot of people point to WWE and it's like, well, they had a bunch of black champions. Yeah, well, their roster is like huge, and it's about fucking time. I'm not going yeah, to say Yeah, it took a long time that, to get there. <laughs> yeah, it took a really long time. So people that are critical about AEW's diversity or elevating black talent, the thing you have to look at is – that they have put certain wrestlers in position to do things. Um, but the question is, if you strip away black, Mexican, white, whatever, Hispanic, Latino, Asian, if you strip them all away, who are the best wrestlers? And Kenny Omega, for a lot of people, is one of the best in the world. Adam Page is one of the best in the world. Um, LAX, which we <laughs> want to see a lot more of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, with Sammy Death Guevara. Triangle, yeah, Sammy Guevara, which we want to see a lot more of. There is a pretty diverse roster there. It just hasn't, like, so Kel, I'm ask you: if there was a black person who could be the the AEW champion right now, who would it be? I I wouldn't say Scorpio Sky would be the AEW champion. I don't think they have a black person on the roster who could 
get a storyline to really propel him. Scorpio Sky, maybe, but you got to put a lot into that storyline, right? Maybe more than a year's worth of time to build him into that underdog, really get people behind him role. Um, outside of that, I, I don't think they have that level, that caliber of black athlete on their roster, and I'm not sure why in terms of singles. I think Scorpio Sky is an amazing tag um, partner. I think he could work his way into that role, but that's like that splash black athlete I don't think is there yet. They don't have the Keith Lee, you know, where you can just yeah. put a program on them and say, oh, you're you're good to go. You know, even to the point of the Cedric Alexanders, the Ricochets, like they don't have a Ricochet. They don't, they don't have guys <laughs> even like – yeah, like not even ROH. They don't got a Jay Lethal. They don't, you know, they don't have that type of black athlete. They they don't. Um, are they out there? Yeah. I, they could have had a Chris Bay, I guess. They don't even got a Chris Bay or Moose. Impact got both of them. And I think they're both like, boom, main, main event guys. Chris Bay is immediately came in, main event guy in the X Division. Moose has been top of their roster since day one. So, I mean, they, they don't have that guy. But they have that woman, in which I think they might be onto something. We'll see in Swole. Which so they have that about. woman in Swole. So I asked that question because of this. Because I don't want to see any black athlete get, like, the affirmative action pass to become champion. Like, no. in the WWE, Booker T should have went over on Triple H. Yep. Junkyard Dog back in the day was running territories and then became a joke when he came to the WWE. Like he was fine in the mid card, but he was dude, if he, anybody read about it, Junkyard was Dog he was he running shit. territories? Dog, Junkyard Dog I, was the man. Like I had no the, clue. <laughs> the man in territories. Like a lot of I gotta like, check this shit out. Yeah, like Junkyard Man, there's so many guys. Like Ron Simmons, who eventually won the WCW title, yep. like there's a lot. Like WWE's had a lot of opportunities to put black people over who deserved it, and they didn't. I want to see the right guys go over, not because they're black, but because they're good and they happen to be black. Kofi Kingston has always been very good, and he yep. got the push that he deserved. But we've seen so many guys on rosters where you go, man, why didn't they put your, like why why didn't they put Booker T over with that storyline? Like what the fuck? So we see yeah. a lot of that. So I don't want when people say, well, where's the black champion? I don't want it to just be done arbitrarily. I want it to be earned, just like I always say, like I want that guy to be earned. Like if Scorpio Sky gets catapulted as a single star, then maybe it'll make sense. But I don't want it to be forced. Like I like the best wrestlers in the world right now that are in A like, like the best wrestlers in AEW like, private party's not there yet in terms of tag teams. And but they just, have to go out and and actively push to go sign the best black wrestler. Yeah, and and they, that's where the problem becomes. Well, that's it's, the challenge. Do, do you push for the best black wrestler like you pushed for John Moxley? Well, I mean, but and, again, and that's the test. Therein lies the problem. Like, Moxley was, he was super over in like CZW, super over in WWE. It's a no brainer sign him. FTR. No brainer to sign those guys, but you you have the assets, right? Let's let's remove black. Let's just put minority. Is there any reason they don't make the hardest push to get Rusev? Well, who who says they haven't? I'm just asking. I'm not saying that they have or they haven't. I'm saying 
as a company, we're, we're visualizing the landscape of their company right now, right? And you say, we have diversity, but we don't have diversity at the very, very top. We, let's, let's put our assets into going and finding how to get diversity at the very top. We, we went and got Brody Lee. We did these things. We made certain people of priority. Let's make getting a top minority wrestler a priority. There's no reason not to sign Rusev. There's no reason to go um, and not sign unless, you know, they don't want to come. But make the push to sign. There's top-level black talent still on the indies. We would have saw some in the, in the FCW show before us. It's just, it's really complicated, is what I'm saying. It's like, it's just not, there's not anybody that's out there right now in terms of like black wrestlers that somebody's going, man, I can't believe nobody signed that guy. There are great talents. I really like AJ Gray. A- AJ Gray is great. He's still very young in this business as well. He will get signed. I just, it's again, true. it's going to happen. Chris Bay got signed. Like, who says the AEW didn't go after Chris Bay? Oh, I'm sure they did. I so, mean, <laughs> Cody you know, was talking about all the time. Yeah, so it's like it's just a matter of the right guys getting the right push at the right time, and everybody needs diversity. I just don't want to see a bunch of black wrestlers getting held down in any company. I want to see the right guys get put over. Because, dude, I love pro wrestling. When I watch wrestling, I want to see guys that can go. I don't want to see anybody that's in there, and I'm like, oh, they just put him in there because he's black. I, I don't want to yeah. see that. I want to see the best I don't need the black over. Mongo. I don't need oh, a Mod man. Johnson. Yeah, before we take a break, if you guys don't follow the Mongo McMichael account, that just basically <laughs> videos of this guy being an absolute travesty in the ring, is like the only thing that's got me through these pa- this past week. It is utterly ridiculous how bad Mongo McMichael was. Whew. That was Mongo- bad. Mongo, is he the worst wrestler? Like, in a prominent role. Yes, dude, he's a horseman. He has to be like the He was a <laughs> like- horseman. I mean, Ahmad Johnson was pretty fucking bad. No, he, nobody was bad as Mongo. Like, Ahmed Johnson was bad, but Ahmed Johnson was super over at one point. Because he was just a big, muscular guy who just bodied fools. Like, that Pearl River plunge, he just destroyed people. Because he was a monster. He was huge. Like, I, fun story. When I found out talking to JR, maybe? Somebody, I can't remember. Ahmed Johnson was supposed to beat The Undertaker once upon a time for the title. And they just kind of pulled the plug in there. I think Ahmed got hurt. And there was talk about, I don't know if it was supposed to definitely happen, but there was talk about putting the title on Ahmed Johnson. And this is what I'm talking about. Ahmed Johnson wasn't that good in the ring. If he was champion, I'd have been like, cool. But then I'd be like, mm, just kind of like the Ultimate Warrior. Well, if Ultimate Warrior could be the champion, fuck it. I guess Ahmed could too. Both kind of trash in the ring. But Mongo McMichael in the, the Horseman? The Horseman. Probably the most esteemed legendary legacy group of all time. We talk about like Nation Domination and DX and NWO. The Horsemen have legacy with tremendous wrestlers. Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson for the short time that Barry Windham was in there. Uh, Ole Anderson and then Benoit uh, of course Flair and Arn and Tully and Luger was in there for a hot second and then fucking Mongo McMichael. <laughs> The dope boy, like, if anybody's heard the story, Mongo McMichael allegedly was the dope boy of the locker room. He provided the yayo. 
So I guess he just <laughs> gave the boys a ride because there's no way in hell that dude should be should have been wrestling. He's terrible. But look up that account because it's absolutely ridiculous how bad he was. I didn't even remember how bad he was until I saw that shit. He's awful. <laughs> Listen, everybody plays a role. Everybody plays a role. There's 18 members of the Wu-Tang. Not everybody can spit. Everybody got a role. And that was Mongo McMichael. Uh, you guys stay right there. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk AW show from this week, NXT go home show from this week, and preview the NXT in your house takeover. Stay right there. We'll be right back. All right, we'll get back to the show in one second. But first, there's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7. Or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And coming up next Sunday, Bet Online has ex Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. All right, just that quick, we are back. And like I said, we're talking AEW. Dre, we don't got to spend a lot of time on this. I thought the show was meh. I, I, I mean, meh. meh. Uh, I'm, I'm done with the, I'm done with the veterans taking every star under their wing. Like people were championing the Taz angle, and not that Taz was bad. I just think him and Brian Cage is unnecessary. I don't mind it. I do mind Tully Blanchard no, and Sean Spears. I don't mind Brian Cage. That shit's also unnecessary. Arn Anderson, unnecessary. Jake the Snake was somewhat necessary. It's a lot of it. But it's a lot. A whole lot. I mean, they're going to bring in a woman to mentor a woman here in a second. Like, it, it's it's getting to be their shtick. And I'm not sure it's a good shtick to have. Yeah, I mean, like, I... I I don't like I, I don't like Tully Blanchard and Sean Spears. I don't necessarily like Arn being with Cody. I don't mind Taz and Brian Cage, and I, and I really don't mind Jake the Snake with Lance Archer. But it just becomes a trope. There's just like too many of it. As for the show this week, I thought it was like a it was like the, a good not even good. It was a, it was an average show. It there was nothing really of importance. Cody defended the title against That's Jungle good. Boy, which was fine. Um, yep. Nala Rose and Big Swole had their match, which, you know, Britt Baker, I think she's hilarious when she's not in the ring. They've, they've yep. managed to do well with her. Uh, Cole Cabana and Jericho, all right, whatever, uh, to push yeah. along this this Mike Tyson narrative for whenever that's going to happen. I'm trying to think. The the tag team match to open was pretty good. Paige and uh, Omega against uh, Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian. Um, Moxley confronting Brian Cage. I mean, the show was yeah. what it was. It wasn't like a, a great show. It was... It was a decent show. I mean, we don't have really anything to write home about until we head into uh, uh, Fighter Fest in what next month. So they're building towards storylines. It was, it was whatever. Not mine. Yeah, it, it wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It was all right. I I like the idea of the Cody Open Challenge. I like it too. I just want to see how long, how quickly he burns through guys before they start going. You know what? You probably shouldn't do this every week. 
But I, I don't mind him burning through the Jungle Boys. Like, it, you look, and as long as they give good matches against each other, it's much like John Cena did, where it was like you're constantly putting guys who are on that fringe mid-card in a position to be seen every week. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, again, yeah, it, 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 it's cool to see that happen. Um, but, yeah, it was just kind of your run-of-the-mill AEW show. There was really no stakes. It's like, it's like they're working towards a few things, like Brody tried to recruit Colt Cabana. Uh, am I missing anything else on the show? Because um, FTR was there for a second. Oh, yeah, Blatant Butcher, so they're going to be wrestling them. Um, it's so weird when I'm looking at the revival, and I'm like, yo, these guys turned in, like, the best tag team matches in NXT. Like, the best. The yep. best. And then they went to the main roster, and now they're gone. I can't, like, for the life of me, I cannot believe that the WWE fucked this up. Because when, like, when FTR versus LAX happens, or FTR versus Pentagon and Phoenix, and FTR versus Young Bucks, like, that tag team division, like, they're going to tear the fucking house down. Oh, those matches are going to be great. The builds, I, I didn't think the promo was special this week. And then you see why WWE felt that they were expendable. Because WWE values something different. What? Because their tag teams are terrible. What are they valuing that it was that it makes no, sense? They, they, they value the fucking hokiness and the promos, and that's why the tag team champs currently are the Street Profits. Not that they can't wrestle, but they haven't even let them wrestle. But I mean, they value on. the promo side of the Street Profits more than the in-ring, um, Yo, which is ridiculous. But, but the fucking Viking Raiders? Come on. The FTR. No, it's ridiculous. They're better tag. Like FTR is a better tag team, top to bottom, than the Viking Raiders. And, that, and I agree. And that's me speaking as somebody who was like, that, like the the revival were a WWE product. People loved the War Raiders. I was never like the biggest fan, but to cut the revival and keep the Viking Raiders and have them in this fucking Dave and Buster's program that's going to culminate at Backlash is ridiculous. Yeah. The revival can go. It doesn't make it, this. There's no way I agree. You can make sense out of this. I'm I'm just saying. The promo work isn't as high as the in-ring work. I wouldn't have let them go. I wouldn't have. But I can see, like, even the promo they cut this week is just like, okay, I, I get it. They're they're wrestlers at their core. Um, I, I think the WWE mildly was onto something when they tried to put them with Randy Orton. Like, as the tag team in a faction, these guys are probably the best you can get. It's just really getting them in like a, a faction with a main guy who can just talk and let them wrestle. Or just they never had that. Just value tag team wrestling. This this would have resolved everything. Oh, you got to value in ring, in which the WWE main roster doesn't. So I I've already succumbed to that. Like I'm not thinking of that in in those regards. Is not going to happen. They don't value that. So they value promos and mic work, and it wasn't what the revival did best so they thought they were expendable which is fucking ridiculous then again they there's people like rusev who does everything great and they still thought he was expendable so who knows what they're thinking but in, in terms of aw it's like okay let's see what character you know they they cultivate you still got to make people care and you could be wrestlers and it could be professional wrestling but stories still drive professional wrestling you have a million five-star matches you got to make us care um, they did a great job of that in NXT, building a lot of those stories in ring. 
I want to see them do the same here, and I, I believe they will. It, it's just the promo didn't move me that much, but I think the in-ring stories will, will tell the job. Um, they don't feel heelish enough to me yet, though. Because they're not heels yet. Yeah. I mean, everything shiny new, you come in as a baby face, usually. Yeah, they came in. There's out. no crowd. No. Like, you can come in as a fucking heel with no crowd. Um, you, you have a fixed crowd. Tell people to boo. No, I, I think the, so, I think the idea here is like maybe they turn on someone. Yeah, I think the idea is to have them come in and mm-hmm. I mean work some of these heel tag teams because how many babyface tag teams are there right now? Like really think about it. It's like the Young Bucks, Private Party, Best Friends, and them. The heel side, Kenny, Kenny, won the Page. champions. Yeah, they're yeah. the champions. But on the heel side, kind of stacked. Um, yeah, LAX, no, Phoenix and Pentagon, LAX. That's it because Best Friends. Babyface, Kip Sabian, Jimmy uh, Havoc, SCU, Blade and SCU, Babyface, those, yeah, I guess Evil Uno, those aren't great ones. They, I mean, I'd say even there's heel tag teams. There's heel tag teams for FTR to work with. Yeah, it's almost even. Babyface ones too, like them best friends, you know, them SCU. There's there's Babyface ones to work your way up as well, but not. I, I I like the idea of all of it, so. Yeah, why why not? I, I like the in-ring work is heels. I think that brought a lot to those five-star matches in NXT and those feuds. Um, but there's plenty of time. Plenty of time for that. So I don't there's no way they don't succeed. And all those matches you mentioned are going to be great when they happen. So uh let's move on to WWE main roster. Starting with Matt Riddle and Donovan Dijakovic. Dijak. Uh, moving up to the main roster, Dijak to Raw, going to get lost in the shuffle. Next, Matt Riddle to SmackDown, where I think he actually has an ability to do something and be maybe even bigger on the main roster than he was on the NXT roster. Very possible, but I, my biggest concern with Riddle, and I think I've said it before, is he's got the RVD, cool, no problem, bro, gimmick, and that can only get you so far. So RVD did a lot of shit though. <laughs> like if, that, if that's if that's your bar, he has a pretty decent main roster run. Well, the thing with the thing with RVD was that it was like a lot of the ECW nostalgia was attached because like people forget like in ECW he was not the cool whatever guy. He was a fucking badass who was just yeah. murking people. Like Riddle from NXT having that and coming to the SmackDown, which is really crowded, like as a whole. Like, I want to see him emerge, and I don't want to see him to be the, yeah, okay, cool bro guy. Like, I want to see him have a mean streak. I'm I'm a little miffed that they didn't finish the feud with Thatcher at in your house this weekend. I felt like that was the right place to, for, for the send-off instead of, like, on a random-ass NXT. But whatever. Dijakovic, I don't have any clue why they called him up. He's going to get released soon. It's I just can't see him getting very far. Me either, unless... Vince is looking for his Baron Corbin equivalent on Raw. Not with him. He's um, already got it. He's got Baron Corbin. Well, he's on SmackDown. Oh, what? what? <laughs> they tried, he already used one of his, his his maneuvers to come over Yo, and challenge for the belt. Speaking of that, like Charlotte, he's used them all. Already. Charlotte has used everything because she's part of the NXT brand. How does this not include wrestling on Raw? Anyway. It, she's used like 18 of these shit. No, the, but I guess she's still, quote unquote, part of Raw. The brand she just holds like, a different title. It's almost over. And I, I, dude, I don't know if anybody has like time hop on their phone. So I, I go back and look at like old tweets from this day like a year ago. And, like three days ago, one of my old tweets was about the brand split. 
And I was like, yeah, this shit is over. They tried it for like three weeks. It's over. And it was over like three weeks later. It was done. They try this every single year or every two years. And they introduce a, uh, some kind of wild card rule. And they completely decimate the idea of the brand split. It's about to happen again. Guys are just going to start moving back and forth all over again. It's so stupid. Yeah. The best that they had was when they first started it three years ago. Um, you know, the best of the recent attempts. And that's because they had pay-per-views that were also split. Yeah, but then they... How long did that last before they started moving people around? It didn't last very long at all. But for like eight months, I liked those split pay-per-views. It was just a lot of them. Well, no, it was actually good. It was every two months. You're right. It was every two months. At first, it was every two months. And then they fucking panicked. And they had one every month for each brand. And that's where it went to shit. But when it was each brand every other month and then the four pay-per-views, it was rolling. I think AJ Styles was champ for like a year. They, they had good matches. Kevin Owens was able to be champ on Raw. It was working really well. There was like a dip in ratings. They wanted Lesnar to like float and completely sunk the whole the whole thing on it. I think that but ratings kept dipping anyway. The, yeah, the WWE needs to realize that it's not the brand split. It's not that. It's your fucking terrible booking. And it doesn't yep. matter who's on what show. That doesn't matter. Nobody cares. That that's what the problem is. You you're booking yourselves into hell. It's not the talent's fault. They're like, oh, it's because you don't have any star power on Raw. That's why nobody's watching. No, that's not it. It's because nobody cares. You can create stars. It's not. That's not yep. it. The the ratings are bad because the product sucks. That's really it. But yep. uh, anyway, like SmackDown, hey. SmackDown as a whole, since you want to mention real SmackDown, because I feel like there's really nothing to touch on with SmackDown. It is so no. uninteresting. The fact they're doing this Strowman versus Miz and Morrison match, it's like, and I guess because Bray Wyatt had the baby that they're giving him some time off for the re- revisit the view, but who cares about Miz and Morrison versus Braun Strowman? Who gives a shit? Yeah, um, you know what? Shout out to paternity leave. Fuck it. If I'm Bray Wyatt, like, yo, I just got a baby. I'm not risking the Rona. No, take So y'all, y'all got to figure this shit out. <laughs> like, I'll be back in three months. Um, so, yeah, no, fuck it. Shout out to Bray Wyatt. But you got other options on this roster. The fact that Strowman is champ still is horrible. It stinks. Like, he's it stinks. just, I, I thought you threw the belt on him to, like, get it off. Like, <laughs> you get Roman Reigns, he goes home. You put it on him because Goldberg is going home and not risking a Rona, and he's not a full-time guy. And then you're like, fuck it, okay, we can throw it back on The Fiend. And then Bray's like, oh, I'm having a baby, I'm gone. At this point, the whole shit is cursed. Throw the whole fucking belt away. Just have Drew Mack float between both shows. The booking is, like, SmackDown's booking is especially bad right now. And I can't believe it because we thought when SmackDown went to Fox, people were like, well, this is going to be great. And they have Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. And Cesaro. For the IC feud. Right, but it's like... They're booking him for an IC feud. Why? You have those guys. If you need someone with a title in a pinch, how don't you go to them? You know what? You want to do something different? Why don't you put Big E in that spot? Shout out to Daniel Bryan for mentioning that on Twitter today. The most underrated athlete in the WWE said is Big E and deserves a title push. You know what? When shit gets weird and everyone keeps dropping like flies, is there a reason to not have... Big E versus Braun Strowman? Dude, I don't know. <laughs> I can't. Just, again. Big men bumping meat? What? Big E, you'll love that shit. Just big men bumping meat. The guy's like, I mean, we've said it 
for years. Like, he's an amazing talent. They don't put him over. But this is like the story of the WWE. That's what they do. So SmackDown is just especially bad. On the Raw side, however, I actually thought this week's show was pretty good. Uh, yeah, it, it was good. I thought, was... I thought Aleister Black versus Seth Rollins was really good. Good match, yes. It was really good. I thought uh, Apollo Crews getting a little the shine with like Kevin Owens. I thought that was good as well. I see. I'm tired of those. Yo, we're starting off as a singles match, then this shit turns into a tag team. Like, do you have to bridge those three segments like that? No, you like, don't. We understand. Like, you got to kill time, which you really don't. You got a big enough fucking roster. You don't got it. You plenty of ways to kill three hours. But if you don't want to showcase everyone that you're paying money to. You can just have matches that go three segments. You don't have to just randomly have an interference and then, okay, oh my God, this sparked a, a tag team match. Like, I'm, it's such a played out way of going about things. It's lazy. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Like, the way they got there was kind of whack. But the the uh, Apollo Cruz Kevin Owens match that started, I was like, this is actually pretty good. I just didn't get yeah. it because I was like, ah, they're going to waste somebody? I was like, somebody's got to run in and do something. And lo and behold, that's kind of what happened. Um,. Actually, and I watched it on Hulu, so I missed. I'm sure there was a. I missed a bunch of shit that probably I didn't care about. Yeah, you see Nia Jax. Yo, they got with the listen, editing. Come on, man. yeah. Listen, she split her to the white meat. Poor so, Kyrie saying. So here's the crazy thing about this, because next week we'll talk about backlash. But Nia Jax is getting a title opportunity against Oscar, which I mentioned before. She's like 0 and 11 and 0 12 against Oscar. Where the hell has Shayna Baszler been, and where the hell has Bianca Belair been? That's a very good question. Neither are being used, yet people are having three-segment matches. It, I mean, listen, they, they're trying to, like, every other week they do something with Liv Morgan, right? Every other week, like, now we got this Nia Jax thing where she continuously hurts people. You keep bringing in Charlotte. Like, you, you have Charlotte showing up to do shit. Um, you're doing all this shit, and it's like you called up Bianca Belair and Shayna Baszler for what? Why? If you're not going to use them, and you push... Basil to the moon by having to crush everybody in the elimination chamber to lose to Becky, and she's and I are they trying to just hold the Oscar feud? Which if that's fine, but she should be doing something, anything, nothing, anything, nothing at all for Shayna Baszler. And I'm not even the biggest Shayna Baszler mark. I'm just saying why why bring her up if you're not going to do anything with her? Same with Bianca. Why bring her up? Bianca should be in the triple threat on NXT for the women's title, not Charlotte. Alas, here we are. With so bullshit. I, <laughs> with the bullshit. Uh, so yeah, Bianca pretty much getting paid to stay at home. Might as well just be in the crowd. And then we get to NXT because you know whatever main roster. Um, again, it finished off okay. I, eh, it I just wasn't do. anything special. It was all right. NXT Asia. was a very, NXT. It's a dude. This was a very strangely booked show. For a go-home show that played this, there's a few narratives that they played that I thought were really weird. Because you do the prime target things, which I like. I like the prime target things. But Chelsea Green splitting up with Robert Stone makes absolutely no sense to me. No, what is Robert Stone doing? He can't get Aaliyah. She's like, No, yeah, Aaliyah's halfway (laughs) from being cut. So I don't know where that goes unless you want Robert Stone... Maybe it's for an incoming male talent. I don't. It's a brand, right? It's a Stone brand. Like it didn't get off the ground. People. It just started. And yeah, is Green going babyface? I don't. Dude, I don't understand didn't, this. 
That didn't make any sense. That didn't make sense. The other thing didn't make sense. They had the triple threat tag team match for the number one contender match for the number one contender opportunity. And you remember how I said there had been diminishing Undisputed Era? They lost again and ate the pinfall to Breezango? And then after that, Breezango is like like uh, uh, Imperium comes out. You know, the tag titles. Breezango's pointing at them. You know, I'm so tired of wrestlers pointing at each other. I don't know. Like, I see you. You don't have to point. But then you must point. <laughs> the Punjabi, uh, the authors of Punjabi Pain come out. I haven't seen them in weeks. And, like, they're standing there. And they're like, and, you know, Beth Phoenix is horrible. Oh, my God. It's going to be hell to pay or whatever the hell she said. Yo, I'm like, yo. She, she was the worst during that match. I say Dude. this objectively. She called for a pin three times. No one was attempting a pin. Dude, she's so bad. But all that to say, you have Brizango, who you haven't seen in months. And the authors of if if anybody knows the name of this tag team, I'm going to continue to call them the authors of Pujabi Pain because I can't figure it out. Them, who we've seen, names. like, they haven't beaten anybody. And Imperium they squashed a few people. Yeah, but they haven't. I'm saying they haven't beaten anybody worth talking about. And these yeah. are your teams to challenge Imperium for the tag team titles. What? Why? I don't even understand why we had this segment on the show. It's a go home show. It, this, I don't know. Dog. I like the. I don't mind Breezango. I, I like their no, entrance. I like Breezango, but it's just to have them win and, and have Imperium sandwiched between them and the authors of Punjabi Pain is just really strange to me because. Like undisputed era, you what are you doing with them? Only Logan and Danny Birch, like they're good. But these two, I mean, they wrestled a good match, they so did. they're using them. But it's just, it's just they're they're trying to distance themselves from the title for a second. But it takes two seconds for undisputed era to come back when the titles and people are like okay, no harm, no foul. I'm so them saying, eating pins don't hurt anything. I'm just saying to do this little segment. The week of in your house, and I don't even think is is a tag match book for that. Like no, no tag match on that. Why even run this angle? The angle is weird. Like the Cameron Grimes match against um, what's his name, Big Chops guy, and then to have Carry On Cross just murder him. It's, this was a really weird NXT. I like that show. though. I mean, I, li- I yeah, like. Yeah, I mean, I. Carrion Cross wrecked Ebby. He threw a very big man around like he was nothing. It made Carrion yeah. Cross look really fucking badass. Which which is fine. Then we had this uh, uh what is it? Uh Mia Yim versus Candice LeRae opening up the show. And then it turned yeah. into the mixed Attack, tag cuz everything turns into something, correct? Right. And you didn't get your spirit bomb. I didn't get my spirit bomb. I was very disappointed. And then you had this crazy run in with like <laughs> Dakota Kai and it was like what the, what are we doing here Tegan Yo, Knox did what, that weird run what, why is Tegan Knox involved in this like this isn't a feud with them why are they doing this the feud is the, the real feud is Keith Lee and Johnny Wrestling but which they, they have of, the match they pulled that back for a second to focus on these six women who are now having a six women tag match for reasons I do not understand I don't know either. It's on a pre-show. Yeah, it's, it was just but, weird. Yeah, would, Yim. Yim versus Lorraine should Keegan. have been the pre-show match at In Your House. Period. Yep. Yep. Just that, let them rock. Yeah. Solo match. I, I just thought this show was weirdly booked. And then we get to the, the Cruiserweight final with Drake Maverick. Based, and, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. Felt like he got squashed in this match. Because he got very little offense in. You're... Correct. I mean, there was a point 
where you're like, okay, maybe he's getting squashed for a reason. So I'm watching it and thinking, <laughs> okay, they're like super leaning into the underdog, this is last match, his last chance angle. Because, okay, he's getting squashed, and then he pulls it out last second, and it's a huge fucking pop, right? But no, it was like the Brock Lesnar squash booking, where he had like a tiny run, and then it was over in a blink, and he loses. Yeah, he got cut off, and then uh, El Fantasma has those masked guys come in to distract Drake yep. Maverick, and then Drake rolls in and just eats the pin, and we have a new Cruiserweight champion, which was like, whatever, interim Cruiserweight champion. And then we spend the next five minutes of Drake Maverick crying, which right there I was like, oh, God, they're really using this shit. And then Triple H comes out with a contract, which felt so ridiculous. Yeah, it didn't feel like the Cedric moment. No, because it was like, you knew this because... Drake Maverick, if you really got released, ain't no way in hell you're signing the contract on the spot without your lawyer or somebody looking at that shit. No way. <laughs> There's no way. But it felt so disingenuous to go through all of that to get to this thing where he's crying and carrying on, which is playing off of him truly crying on social media about his dream getting shattered. But then you now you yep. play it up in storyline after he basically gets virtually squashed, which to me says that you're going to sign him and you're really not going to do anything with him. And then it's it, then you sign him to a new contract and it goes off the air as your go home show. What? Yeah. It, it didn't like the feuds for the actual in your house were very oddly placed, so it didn't leave you wanting to watch in your house, which is usually the purpose of the go home right. show. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. That carrying cross angle would have been a lot better if it just ended the show with him creepily looking in the fucking camera. Like, there was even a Dexter Loomis interview for no reason where he brought out, like, a board. I'm like, he draw a picture. Like, yeah, what is this? Yeah, he drew a two-segment picture. This was, this was so weird. Like, it felt like there was, like, main roster booking influence on this show. It didn't make any and sense. And Beth was like, Beth was like, that's the creepiest picture I've ever seen. Oh, I was God, like, it's a caricature. So she's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, nothing creepy about that. It was a car. She's like, the, I don't, I, I don't get it. Oh, um... But, yeah, I, don't, I guess that would be one of the dark matches for NXT that they'll film. <laughs> I, don't I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know Him versus, on. like, Roddy Strong or something. Um, and then, oh, no, I expect shenanigans because, and we'll go down this right now. Let's just hop into the pay-per-view then. Um, let's see where we started off. Mia Yim, Shotzi Blackheart, Tegan Knox, Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez. Uh, and I just found out that was her name. <laughs> uh, just because I read it here, uh, the baby faces are going over. Me and Yim is winning. I I guess Shachi Blackheart I feel like is a really useful talent, but this whole tank thing is really corny. I think that was her her gimmick before here. Yeah, though. but, the but way she could wrestle her ass she, off. Though. She can, and that's the weird thing Jeez, is because it's like we're using this like the tank gimmick, which is cool in the indies. Here it just felt like really weird, like that whole vignette they had with her like last week of her driving the tank. That vignette was horrible. Yeah, it was yeah. bad. But then the thing is, like Shotzi can wrestle, but she's not the focus yeah. of this match because the the feuds are Mia Yim and Candice LeRae and Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox. Like Shotzi Blackheart is kind of there. Raquel Gonzalez is actually attached to Dakota Kai. I kind of just want Candice LeRae to go over. I'm not mad at that. <laughs> just, I, I don't know where her heel gimmick is. Or I her heel know. finish. Like, I, I really want to see this. All right, I changed my opinion. Candice LeRae takes, wins, pins me a yum. 
Um, and then we have the main card. <sighs> this match I forgot was even a fucking on here. Finn Balor versus Damian Priest. Did they even talk about this on TakeOver? Not I mean, a mention. NXT? What the fuck? Nope. Not they, one mention to it. Cameron Grimes came out and said he beat Finn Balor. Yep. That was about that was all we got. I'm, what? The, come on, man. Like, I, Finn Balor has to win, but I don't even know why this match is happening anymore. I don't know. It's a good question. It's going to be a 15-minute match that's probably going to be forgettable. Um, maybe if Damian Priest makes this shit really good. Maybe you're surprising me. <laughs> but right now, I'm just, yeah. nah. Yeah, you can laugh. That's fair. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa versus Karrion Cross. I expect this to be very good. I expect it to be incredible. Karrion Cross winning because Ciampa doesn't have to win at this point. Mm-mm. But fuck, I expect this to be. This is going to be the yo. Let me show you. I can really fucking wrestle. Because a lot of people still don't know much about him. Yeah, again, for the people who've never seen you know, um, him wrestle in the indie scene, like the, he's amazing. So if, if he's utilized right, this could be a very brutal match. And it, it's also fine if they, if they carry this feud out to like some, like some no DQ shit at some point. Because these two are extraordinarily violent. So I think this match will be really good. I don't know if this will end the feud. I actually don't think it will. But I'm, I'm picking Cross to go over. I'm looking forward to the entrance. Uh, this should be good. I'm looking. I'm really looking forward to this match because they've, they've built this well with so little. Like last week... With Ciampa and with, with um, Scarlett standing there looking over her shoulder while carrying across on the screen, cutting the promo. So much with so little works with those guys. It's amazing. This should be great. Yeah. All right. So we have that match rolling into Keith Lee, Johnny Gargano. This should also Match be- of the night, in my opinion. Yeah, Probably. If there's a candidate for a five-star match, this is going to be it, which is hard as fuck to do with no crowd. Yeah, like Or, you know, like a performance center bias crowd. <laughs> Gargano is a guy who can wrestle like aluminum foil and make it look good. And now you got Keith Lee, who's just amazing. And then you have the big guy, little guy complex thing going on here. Yeah. And Gargano, can do, he just works well. And, and chicken shit heel Gargano, which we haven't even seen him use chicken shit heel tactics. Yeah. Which is going to be really good. I'll, I'm picking Lee to go over. Um, but I think this could honestly go either way. I could see Gargano getting the title as a heel, but I don't think this feud will be over either. Uh, but this should be really good. Yeah, I have Lee going over, but I it's going to be great. Keith Lee's best match by far, I think. Because okay, it's a be. different dynamic than, you know, two big men bumping meat. <laughs> yeah, all his other matches have been Jack or... Damian Priest, like just really big guys. This is a different dynamic for him that he really thrived on in the Indies. True, true indeed. So I I like that. Um, Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley versus Io Shirai. I'll start off by saying Io's winning this shit. I don't care. That's it. That's my commentary. I mean, she kind of has to or else we're all disappointed, right? Like, it feels like they got to get the title off of Charlotte because they want to move her into a feud with Asuka by SummerSlam on Raw. And this is the way to get the title off her without her losing so that would mean Rhea Ripley would have to eat the pin. If that were to happen, my concern is this. You spent a lot of investment building up Rhea Ripley. Charlotte should eat the pin. I would, but well, I know she why they... should, because Rhea should say, I didn't lose, continuing their feud. Exactly. But that's not going to happen. I don't think that's going to happen here. I think if EO wins the title, it's great. But, man, I want to see Charlotte eat it. And it, it, Rhea never really got to come up inside either. So... 
If Charlotte retains... Charlotte's been eating a lot of pins, though. Bailey beat her clean as a sheet. Yeah, but nobody cares about that. Like, like, I mean, Bailey beat her clean on SmackDown, and it meant nothing. But in big moment matches with titles on the line, Charlotte wins. Right? It's like, LOL, Charlotte wins. That's true. So, yeah. with this kind of a match, a triple threat for the NXT women's title, it should be really either get your comeuppance or EO shocks the world and pins Charlotte. One of those two needs to happen. Charlotte shouldn't retain yeah. this title by any stretch of the imagination. No. I think Charlotte's going back up, and I would love to see EO take it. Because Triple H on their call today said EO Shirai is the best female performer in the world right now. I mean, she's so good. Like, cool. Dude, she's amazing. Show us. Yeah, give her the goddamn yeah. title. She's that good. <laughs> like, yeah, let let her go. Let, let's see it. Because I can't disagree with him, but show us. I, I don't want to count what she did in stardom. Show us. And then main event, Adam Cole, Velveteen Dream. It is pre-produced. Uh, last chance, back lot brawl. It feels like the Dream would go up after this, right? I like if not. you lose. Yeah. It said, if Dream loses, he can no longer challenge for the NXT championship. Isn't that usually your send-off? Either that or you go over. I, this, okay. This is weird to me because I can't see Dream going to the main roster because he just got Riddle. You just got Dijakovic. You don't need to add any more guys when you're, like, burying everybody else. Dream doesn't need to be there right now. But Dream, I also feel like he can't win the title. I feel like this feud feud doesn't feel like it really, truly has enough juice behind it for a title change. I don't. I, something about no, this. It but just they've done a lot of shit. Like Adam Cole, it's you hit 365 days as champion. We're celebrating. Whenever they start like dropping little hints like that, it really makes it worrisome for me. Yeah, but I mean, let me ask you: Do you really think that this feud has been built up to the point where you feel like there should be a title change? Has it been enough? I, I don't. But they've put a lot of equity into this feud. They've put four months. No, we're in month. What is this? Five months. Dream coming back, challenging Roddy, the cage match, the tricking him, the going against Cole, what was supposed to be at WrestleMania, but ended up being on the weekly television, losing to Cole, and then now this. They put five months of equity into this feud. We may not be feeling it, but they've invested a lot of time. Yeah, Velveteen Dream also invested in sending his penis to young girls. I'm not sure if they count that against him or not. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe they're looking at it. I mean, it's, it's weird because it's kind of went away with everything else going on. So maybe they've distanced themselves far enough from it that they can put the title on them. I'm just, I don't know, man. I mean, if I, this weekend you put, if, if this weekend you have a black North American champ and a black main champ, you probably get some good press before people start flooding it with his dick pic posters. Yeah, I, again. I think I've said this before. I like Velveteen Dream. I've always liked the character. I just don't feel like he's the champ. I don't feel like he's the guy with the work rate in NXT to carry that title. I feel like if Cole loses, what do you do with him? I I don't want to say they all go up. Because the, the so whole Undisputed no. Era has just been taking L's left and right except for Cole. He's the only one who hasn't been taking L's. And if he loses, yeah, it's a sign that they get called up. But who? And I, I keep I don't want to say called up anymore. Because it's really not called up. It's like called no, they mis- move. Yeah, it's, yeah well, it's, they, they, they move, move to misery is what it's called. Because <laughs> they haven't had too many people that have moved, and it was like, oh my god, Alistair Black is finally getting a run. It only took like yep. two years, but 
Undisputed Era could get hot. The show would be really hot for like a week, but without any crowd. Give it six months till they break them up. Ugh. So yeah, I'm 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 picking Cole to go over cause, just because I don't really feel like it going the other way. I don't really like this backyard backlot brawl thing, but here we are. I, I'm pretty sure we're gonna see a Dexter Loomis sighting and Undisputed Era sighting. I'm picking Adam Cole because I don't want Velveteen Dream's next feud and first title feud to be against Dexter oh, Loomis. Oh Christ! Because it would be. That's good enough. And I, <laughs> I, I'm not a hater on Dexter Loomis. I, I'm intrigued by the character, but it's like he's done nothing compared to everyone else to deserve a title shot. Well, here's here's my last thing about this feud and why I'm picking Adam Cole because the next man in line is Finn Balor. And I want to see Balor versus Cole. That's the feud. That's like the SummerSlam feud. That's like the legacy champion versus the longest yeah. reigning champion. You're and printing money. Yeah, like that's the feud. Like if you take the title off of Cole now and put it on Dream, like Dream and Balor, there's no juice there. Balor and Cole is an exceptional feud. That's yeah. the route you got to go. So, yeah, Cole's got to go over. I can't see Dream and Balor. That's whack to me. Yeah, I don't. I don't like it either. So, good. We agree. Adam Cole winning. Uh, that's our show for today. We want to thank all of you guys for listening. It was a ton of wrestling, but it's good to get through all of that. It's going to be a fun weekend in wrestling. We'll see how everything pans out. We'll be back next week with another show. I'm sure we'll be talking more about the protests, about George Floyd. And uh, Juneteenth, I believe, is next weekend So or next week. So we have plenty to talk about there make sure you guys follow us on social media at corner podcast underscore me at kel dansby him at andreas hale shout out to the sponsors shout out to blue wire the network until next week though we're out peace everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.